This podcast was recorded on the land of the Gadigal of the Eora Nation. I'd like to pay my respects to elders past and present and recognize their continuous connection to country. In Thai, the name of it is Limpua, which means this rice is so good I've forgotten about my husband. While the people of European background were scrambling for toilet paper, <laughs> all the ethnic people were scrambling for rice. One of the complicated things is there's so many mixed messages about whether rice is good for you. Rice is a star of so many national dishes, and it feeds half the planet. So why do some people consider it a nutritional villain? And are they right? I'm Lee Tran Lam, and you're listening to Should You Really Eat That? This show explores the cultural, social, and nutritional confusion over the staples in our diet. Should you be consuming more tea, less coffee? Should you skip the rice, bread, seafood, or cheese? It can be bewildering keeping up with what's quote-unquote good for you. And so many different beliefs shape what we consume, what's fact and what's fashion, and whose perspective is being overlooked. Untangling all of this can be tricky, which is why I started this podcast. Today's episode is on rice. From Egyptian koshri to Indonesian nasi goreng, rice is a common and welcome sight on tables around the world. Wedding rice is served in East India. While the quality of your kabuli palau is a sign of whether you're worthy marriage material in Afghanistan. So I was confused when dietitian Susie Burrell named white rice as something she'd never put in her shopping trolley. Should we actually be avoiding something that's foundational to so many cuisines around the world? Let's talk to some food savvy people and figure this out. Hi, I'm Pelissa Anderson. I am a second generation restaurateur of my mother's pioneer restaurant, Chat Thai in Sydney. I had a show on SBS called Water Hut Food. Want to know how important rice is in Asia? Just listen to how people greet each other in Vietnam, Hong Kong, the Philippines, and many other parts of the region. The first thing people will say to each other is, have you eaten rice yet? The Thai speakers, it's the same too. The first greeting is always, gin khao le yang, or tan khao le yang, which is a little bit more polite, is, have you had your rice today? And it's the same across most Asian cultures. So when we say, have you eaten rice today? It's, have you had a meal today? So the fact that the word is interchangeable for a whole meal and rice is the word for the meal really represents a lot. It's the same in Japan where rice is built into the name for the meal. Breakfast basically means morning rice, lunch is noon rice, and dinner is evening rice. Rice isn't just in the foundations of the language, it's also fundamental to the cultural and literal landscape of Japan, where Pelissa lived for many years. She remembers seeing photos of rice farmers displayed prominently next to the rice at the supermarket checkout, and seeing people farming rice everywhere. 
you see the old Obajangs, the old grannies out there harvesting the hand, harvesting the rice, drying it out. Japan in the autumn is the most beautiful place, especially in the countryside, because you see them cutting the beautiful golden stalks of rice and then lying it down to dry before they come and they bundle it and then they hang it to dry even further. When I lived in Japan, I did eat every single grain of rice because I could appreciate how much work that actually went into growing and processing that rice. If you've ever been to a restaurant with an elaborate tasting menu where you're presented with endless courses of well-crafted wonders, well, this experience is indebted to the kaiseki tradition, which began in Japan many centuries ago. Kaiseki was the OG version of fine dining. And when you enjoy it today, rice is its headlining star. In a kaiseki meal, rice is the ultimate dish. It's the last dish that you get. And whether it's served plain with some pickles, seasonally it changes. So in the autumn you get chestnuts and maybe some abalone. In the summer it could be red beans and bamboo shoots in the springtime. So that combination changes, but it's always cooked so perfectly. Rice is so important in Japan that sushi chefs are judged on the quality of their rice, not their fish. And it's not the only place where rice is highly prized. Hi, my name is Ade Tokumbo Adeni. I run Little Lagos restaurant in Sydney and Lekki by Little Lagos in Brisbane. There is a popular saying in Nigerian households, there is rice at home. We have it in the morning, we have it in the afternoon, we have it at night. And for our parents, they just couldn't phantom the idea of buying food when there's rice at home, literally. You might have noticed the increasing popularity of West African jollof rice. It's named after the Wolof tribe, and the tomatoes the Portuguese introduced to the region in the 1400s richly flavour the grains in this one-pot dish. In recent years, the hot topic of who makes better jollof rice, hashtag jollof wars, has involved entire countries and their political figures, inspired a diss track and even become a key plot point in shows like Atlanta and Ted Lasso. That's because jollof rice is a widely beloved dish. We would dream of the days that we're going to a birthday party and we know there will be jollof rice there. It's also a celebratory food or an occasional food. So Christmas, yes, absolutely. Eid, any other kind of like events happening in the household. Yeah, I think we would have it every Sunday. You know, if my mom was in a good mood, kind of cuts across all the tribes in Nigeria. Every single tribe kind of eats jollof rice. You start going into Western Africa, um, Liberia eat jollof rice, Ghana, they eat jollof rice, Sierra Leone, even Guinea. And of course, we have to pay respect to the original owners of jollof rice, which is the Senegalese. The basic ingredients that you need would be your tomatoes, your capsicums, your habaneros, your onions. It's kind of similar to what the Spanish do with the paella. So you're essentially cooking rice in a stew, in a thick gravy stew. But what makes that art form very tricky is that you're supposed to cook rice in water. So when you're trying to cook rice in a stew, it's very challenging. 
the key is not to burn the rice at the bottom of the pot or let the rice become too soggy. Otherwise, it's going to look like a risotto and nobody wants a jollof rice that looks like a risotto. The most popular one is the one that's called party jollof, which is also known as smoky jollof. The name is self-explanatory. It's cooked at parties. It's also the type he serves at his restaurants. He likes using basmati rice for its texture and flavour it unlocks with the tomato stew. The scented long-grain rice originates from the Indian subcontinent and its name means fragrant in Hindi. You recognise it in biryani and other dishes from this area. But these grains are also soaked, drained and then spiced in a kabuli palau, Afghanistan's national dish. Many people love basmati, something he became keenly aware of when COVID lockdowns led to a shortage of this rice. Because the borders were closed, they weren't able to bring in more rice. So there was this scramble for rice by everyone because, again, almost every ethnic person eats rice. <laughs> it was all of a sudden, it was like, while the people of European background were scrambling for toilet paper, <laughs> all the ethnic people were scrambling for rice. It was hilarious for me because I didn't care about toilet paper. I want rice. But not everyone shares his appreciation of this grain. In a September 2020 article in the Sydney Morning Herald about the seven items a dietitian always puts in their shopping trolley and four they don't, I was surprised to read that Susie Burrell avoids white rice altogether. This is what the dietitian wrote. Although it is considered a dietary staple, white rice lacks the nutrient density whole grain brown rice offers and with an extremely high glycemic index is exceptionally easy to overeat. If I'm reaching for a family meal base, I opt for wholemeal pasta or quinoa or serve dishes that use rice as an ingredient with cauliflower rice. Personally, I think because people have such wide-ranging dietary circumstances, it's great that we have a variety of rice to cook with today, from brown rice to substitutes like cauliflower rice, which Susie Burrell mentions. But all these culturally significant dishes we talk of Kabuli Palau, Indonesian nasi goreng, West African jollof rice, and many more, are typically made with white rice. So what does Ade Tokunbo think about this dietitian's wholesale avoidance of white rice? I would not be accepting an invite for dinner at that person's house. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I can understand where she's coming from, actually. And I'm also someone who's very conscious about my weight and my, my health, my fitness and all of that. So yes, I can completely understand that white rice already has a bad reputation as being carb heavy, make you fat and all of that. That's why people just run away from it or people think, oh yeah, you know, if I eat this, it's it's bad for me. Although Adeta Kunbo gets this perspective, he doesn't actually agree with it. He points out he's not a dietitian like Susie Burrell, but he is shaped by his personal experience. I've eaten rice my whole life. Everyone I know, my friends, my family, we all eat rice all our life and we're definitely not, we don't think rice is the enemy at all. Maybe it's not so much a question of quitting rice altogether, but how much rice you eat and what you actually eat with rice. Last night I had rice with a spinach stew, and for real, which is like this yummy spinach 
I've got a vegetable on the side and I've got the rice and that's what I, and then I add some plantains jello fries we can eat it by itself you know with the tomatoes your capsicums your onions we eat a lot of rice with stews as well and some of those stews can be very healthy I should point out that even though rice is a staple that's literally eaten by half the planet, there are some people who may need to be cautious when consuming rice. People with diabetes, for instance, may need to be careful with a carb-rich food like rice in order to keep blood glucose levels, or so-called sugar spikes, under control. It's something that's recommended in smaller serves for them. To give us a clearer picture about rice and its health impacts, let's chat to an actual dietitian. I'm Dr. Evangeline Mansouris, currently the Program Director of Nutrition and Food Sciences here at the University of South Australia. I'm also an accredited practicing dietitian. I've had almost over 30 years in the area of nutrition. Rice has always been part of my diet and my upbringing. My background is Greek and my mum used to cook with rice a lot. We've got dolmades, which are vine leaves, and they're stuffed with rice, and they had lots of beautiful herbs in there. That was probably my all-time favourite meal. Steamed, stewed, spiced, and fried grains of rice have appeared in so many dishes around the world over the years. Yet today it's not uncommon for people to refuse rice with their meal because they're convinced it's bad for you. Are they onto something, or is rice unfairly maligned. One of the complicated things is there's so many mixed messages about whether rice is good for you. I think if we break it down, it comes down to both the type of rice and how it's cooked. So white rice is basically brown rice, but brown rice, to get it to white rice, the husk is taken off and it's polished up to look beautiful as it is. Stripping the outer husk also strips many nutrients from white rice. By retaining that husk, Brown rice has more dietary fiber, which makes you feel fuller for longer. And it has more B1, which is vital. Not having enough vitamin B can be pretty dangerous. In Japan, soldiers were fed white rice because it had a longer shelf life than brown rice. But the polished white grains made them prone to beriberi, a vitamin B deficiency that can be deadly. On the Gastro Obscura website, Anne Urbank points out that during the 1904 war between the Japanese and Russian empires, Beriberi killed 27,000 troops, compared to 47,000 men killed by actual war wounds. Today, white rice is enriched with B vitamins, but brown rice is generally better for you. So does it mean brown rice should always be your number one choice? And this is my personal view. I think you've also got to really enjoy the meal. So another favourite Greek dish I've got is called a yuvralakia, me avgo lemon or salsa, and that means little meatballs with an egg lemon sauce. She points out when she switches it from the traditional white rice to brown rice. It's just not the same thing. But there are other rices. Wild rice, although a little pricier, gets a lot of nutritional ticks. 
And among white rice varieties, basmati is a better pick than jasmine because it has a lower GI. So you've probably heard people describe high GI foods as giving them bigger and quicker sugar spikes and low GI foods as making them feel satiated for longer. GI has been referred to as a useful tool for people with diabetes. Here's a proper explanation from Dr. Evangeline about what the GI or glycemic index is and why it matters. So it's how quickly the blood glucose level rises after you've consumed a particular food. And the quicker it rises, the more likely it is that it's going to go over the safe limit that we call and cause potential problems for your health in terms of, you know, increasing your risk of metabolic disease and all those sorts of things. But you don't often eat rice in isolation. For example, both of those, my favorite Greek dishes that I mentioned have lemon added to them. And when you add acidity to food, it drops the glycemic index of that food. So talking about rice out of context, out of the mill, is a little bit weird because everything else that's consumed is also important. People often talk about rice. One of the reasons they avoid it is because they're concerned they'll gain weight from it. And yes, rice does have kilojoules or calories, whatever you like to call it. And so, yes, if you eat more than your daily quota of energy, kilojoules or calories, you will gain weight. That will happen whatever food you consume. So it's a really difficult one to answer because, yes, it is true, but it's context-based. Because are you replacing that rice with something a lot worse? And if you're sizing up whether you should be eating rice, again, it depends on your portion and what you're eating that rice with. If the grains are sharing a bowl with, say, some corn, avocado and tomato, well, these ingredients won't kick up your kilojoule count too much. And they also add a lot of nutrients. Ditching rice isn't exactly the answer because carbs are vital to your diet, Evangeline points out, and it's good to have a variety of them. Rice also has another nutritional ace up its sleeve. It contains resistant starch, which is a kind of fibre. The interesting thing with rice is that you can increase the resistant starch in it by cooking it and then cooling it. And you can even heat it again. It doesn't drop that resistant starch level again. So when you think about a lot of rice dishes, they're cooked and cooled and then heated again. Risotto, which can be done, your paella, arancini balls, sushi rolls. She says bowel cancer is one of the most preventable cancers in Australia. And increasing your intake of resistant starch and fibre can help. So embracing these cooked and cooled rice dishes sounds good. But, and here's the but... But on cooking and cooling rice, we have another problem. We joke about it with the students. We could say it's a very serious problem. And that's because it's caused by a bacteria called Bacillus cereus. And what it does is it's everywhere. It exists as spores. It's on our food. It's in flour. It's on rice. It's going to be on pasta. And what happens is when you cook it, you're activating the bacteria and they release more spores and they also release toxins. Rice is the famous one or infamous one, I should say, the longer you leave it at room temperature, the more of these spores are going to be released and the more risk you are of having food poisoning. And there's always a story every year about a uni student who's eaten the leftover bowl of pasta or rice that hasn't been refrigerated and they've kept it out for a day or two or three or four and think it's okay. But it's not okay. 
they usually end up pretty sick from nausea, diarrhea, vomiting, or tragically much worse. In 2008, a 20-year-old student in Belgium ate spaghetti that was left out for five days and died of liver failure. Bacillus cereus is heat-resistant, so cooking your food again won't solve the problem, but this kind of food poisoning is still easily preventable. That's the important thing with rice and pasta. You need to pop it in the fridge so that you keep it safe. So we have a bit of a complex story there with rice, don't we? You can cook it and cool it and it's good for you, but cool it really quickly and put it back in the fridge so it doesn't do any harm. If you've left food out for more than two hours, it can't be returned to the fridge. And once it's been left out for more than four hours, it can't be consumed because the bacteria in there would have replicated to a dangerous situation. Although we mainly covered white and brown rice in this episode, there are so many vibrant grains we didn't even touch on. Rice isn't just one thing. There's so many different varieties in the rainbow of rice. It's like anything in your diet. Diversity is the best key. So last night we ate one of my favorite red rices. It's called Kanyao Lumpur. It's actually sticky rice. It's a red sticky rice. In Thai, the name of it is Lumpur, which means this rice is so good, I've forgotten about my husband. That's how reverential rice is to Thai people. Rice is better than your husband. Ah, it's delicious. It's nutty. It's rich. It has a lot of fiber in it because it's a a whole husk. And so when it cooks, it gives you a real kind of like popping, chewy texture. And the way we use rice actually goes well beyond the different types we can cook with. In Japan, a country that was once called the land where the vigorous ears of rice ripen, people would buy houses using rice as currency. Leftover parts of rice were incorporated into pastes for bookbinding and traditionally used to produce everything from pickles to face scrubs. And so many of the country's dining staples from soy sauce and miso to sake are made with koji, a starter that's derived from rice. Rice is more than just the grain. It's like, what do we do with the rest of the plant as well, right? Like in our traditional cultures, that was our building block for our homes, literally. And well, not just Thailand, in Japan as well. Tatami mats are made of rice stalks. I lived in one of those old Japanese houses where the tatami mats would change. And so your tatami mat in the late summer would be green because the stalks are still green. The smell of your house was incredible because it's the smell of drying rice stalks in your house. And then over the over the year, it would slowly dry out and start to get kind of that beautiful kind of a light golden straw color brown. And then in the springtime, you change it again. Rice also has an incredible bonding power. When we first opened, the first group of people that used to come in, no questions asked, were Vietnamese people, Chinese, Korean, uh, Filipinos, Cambodians. They just used to stroll in because what they used to do was they used to look up the menu and they would read all the description and they would go, yes, I know what that is. Yes, rice, 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 yes, yes, done. I'm saying they're Vietnamese because of their background. These kids are all born and raised in Australia. So one of the things I realized was the same way Africans never move away from their cuisine, no matter where they are in the world, they were the same. The Vietnamese kids grew up eating Vietnamese food. They were still very connected to their culture. So they would just come in, they would eat 
everything. They will bring their friends in. And I was like, oh, I make sense now. And Rice was such a connector for all of us because all of us ate rice. Should You Really Eat That is an SBS podcast. It's written and presented by me, Lee Tran Lam. Thank you to the SBS audio team, Max Gosford, Joel Supple and Caroline Gates for their contributions and guidance. The brilliant artwork is by Grace Lee and the theme song is Sydney Sunset by Ewan Artist Nookie. The email address for the show is audio at sbs.com.au. On the next episode of Should You Really Eat That? We're chasing carbs and leaving a trail of crumbs as we explore our changing attitudes to bread. Follow on your favourite podcast app and feel free to spread the word and tell people about the show.